Hi, I'm Margie, and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the Desert Island. I can't quite believe who my guests are today. I was over the moon when Dave and Sai said that they would come on and share their Desert Island dishes with me. And my goodness, they did not disappoint. Two of the nicest men I've met and so many delicious goodies in this one. And as always, when you're recording something, we turned out to be next to what I think was a bottle bank. So (laughs) apologies if you can hear the bottles in the background. My guests today are the Harry Bikers, whose real names are Dave Myers and Simon King. Dave previously worked as a makeup artist for the BBC, where he specialised in prosthetics. Sai worked for many years as an assistant director and locations manager for film and television, including for the Harry Potter films. The pair met on the set of a TV drama 23 years ago and discovered that they shared a love of riding motorcycles, cooking and eating. Since then, their popularity has soared. They've gone on to have countless TV shows and they've written more than 20 successful cookbooks, which is pretty impressive. So very warm welcome to Dave and Sai, a.k.a. the Hairy Bikers, a.k.a. the Hairy Dieters. You've had a name change. We have. We've, we've been hairy bakers in the past as well. Yeah, yeah we, we have. We just, yes. we just keep changing a word. Yeah. yeah. Well, you better not cut your hair, otherwise. That would be a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing. Mine's on its way out, I think. <laughs> I feel a little bit ignorant because I didn't know the backstory of how you guys met it was way back in 1995 on the set of a TV oh, drama. 92. Oh, 92. Oh, yeah. Apologies. Yeah. No, it was the, no, the gambling man, Catherine Cookson with Robson Green. Yeah, and you both had very different careers. Like, weren't you working in prosthetics? We did. We did. Oh. Dave was working in prosthetics and I was an assistant director. Yeah. Um, and we worked very closely together because that was the nature of our roles. And uh, it was quite a big, it was, it was quite a big deal, that, that particular film, because um, Robson was just on the, on oh, the old huge career and he was yeah. a big star. And, and, and I mean, with, with the Cookson's, we worked with some, with some massive, massive names. There, we? there were, there were brilliant dramas and it was, um, so I had done a couple before, and I was the new boy. So I had my interview for the job as head of makeup and prosthetics, yeah. and it was one of those things where, if you got the job, you got sent downstairs to meet the rest of the crew who were in the pub, okay, the Egypt <laughs> Cottage next door to Tang Tees. If you didn't get the job, you'd be sent to the car park and home. Oh no! Well, I got the job, <laughs> so I, I went down to the Egypt Cottage, and I always remember you—you you were there playing pool, yeah. And like the rest of the crew were there with their sandwich and spritzers. And he howled across to the landlord, what's the curry today? <laughs> <laughs> what's the curry today, Julian? Because yeah. that was the landlord at the time. Yeah. That was the beginning of a firm friendship. Yeah, and I just said, I like what he's having. <laughs> then we got the work done very quickly that afternoon. Mm. I kind of, you know, I had an idea, like, a woman would, a woman with a wig was an hour and a quarter. A woman without a wig was three quarters of an hour. A fellow normally was a quarter of an hour. A fellow with whiskers to stick on was half an hour. So basically, we had a rough schedule on... I love it. And you say that your friendship was based on eating, drinking and motorcycling, which seems like a very good foundation for any friendship. Well, it was. Yes. I mean, yeah, fundamentally, that was yeah. it. That was it. <laughs> has, I, has much changed? I, I, no, 
No. <laughs> I mean, we're uh, we're intrinsically part of each other's lives, you know, because obviously, you know, what's really interesting about what Dave and I have done is that um, if you can hear in the background yeah. some sort of rumbling going on. It's when, not the end the, of the world. It's not the end. Of the, it's not coming. It's just there's some construction work going on that, that's quite noisy. So forgive us for that. But um, no, Dave and I are intrinsically part of each other's lives because it's 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 a bit like having a family business. Yeah. You know? mm. And we're and we're best mates. So so that, that that's really nice because an, ex- an experience shared is a is an experience doubled. You know? So it, 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 it's it's brilliant. And it was funny because Sai, you always kept like your home life quite separate for the the time on the Cookson's. Mm. And obviously, I, I was in a hotel in Newcastle. I remember you invited me for Sunday lunch to meet your family. Mm. Hang out, and it, we had a proper. I was very grateful for me proper Sunday roast cooked by himself, and uh, it was very lovely. And he sold me a similar afternoon after being seduced by his roast dinner. He sold me a motorcycle that was absolute rubbish. <laughs> it was. Uh, listen, I'll have you know, it was really shiny. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, if it's shiny, that's yeah, all well, that matters. Yes, it? but transport needs to move. But, um, you know? <laughs> Dave, you were born and bred in Barrow and Furness. Yes. And Sai, you're from the mm. northeast of England. So let's have a chat about the first Desert Island dish. Mm. So I want to know the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. Who wants to go first? Oh, I think the, the, the dish that reminds me of childhood, again, it's my Sunday lunch, but it has to be um, roast chicken. And I always remember, I, I can smell it now. It would be done with Paxo stuffing. Yeah. You know, it has to be that. So the chicken would be stuffed with Paxo. We'd always have mashed potatoes, cauliflower cheese and, and gravy. And it was a time when Jean Chalice with the, the two-way family favourites, for those of you remember, you know, can remember it, you know, playing requests for the forces overseas, you know, and we like to play Puff the Magic Dragon. This is for <laughs> Brian in BFPO 40 Dusseldorf. And why, you always wanted to know why Brian wanted to hear Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah, in his hand, I feel know. like this is a reference that's going over my head, you guys. You're too young. Oh, yeah. you're too young. Oh, oh, I'm on, on a podcast. Looking <laughs> good, kid. Look good. But, but it was always, it was a programme, she always did this, it was on Sunday mornings, but I can still smell the... The, the, the chicken coming mm. through the anticipation. But those days, you know, roast chicken was three meals. You yeah, know, it was once hot, once cold, and then something with the leftovers yeah. and soup with the bones. It was a it was a major expense, but it was and of course chickens then were, you know, by nature they were free range. They were expensive. It was a luxury. And um, it, it was a luxury that we, we had and I appreciate. And still now when I go home, we, we call it in our house plumpy chicken. Oh, plumpy chicken. It sounds nice, doesn't it? Like yeah. a fat chicken. And <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want a skinny one. No, and I'll, I'll, I'll say to my wife, what should we have? Should we do a plumpy chicken? And if you're feeling vulnerable, there's nothing better there than There is that. nothing more no. comforting. Sai? Well, mine is, um, it, it, it's a beef flat rib broth. Right. Now, hmm. we only... Um, and it, what was remarkable about my mum was that, first of all, she was an amazing cook. And second of all, she had a knowledge of food that was second to none. And and we, I always used to look forward to the autumn and uh, because this is when the flat rib was at its absolute best. So mum would only ever buy it in the autumn. And it's now what we would call, it's kind of like, what would we call it now? That bit of flat rib. It's it's a particular cut that you can that you can get. It's and it's flat rib. rib. Yeah, flat rib, it's flat rib, rib on the yeah. bone. It's oh, okay. beef, yeah. beef rib on the bone. And mum used to, used to, used to cook it 
with um, with barley and some lentils and and uh, carrots, onions, celery, wow. some uh, bay leaf, and um, and it was and then and and season it, and it was incredibly simple. But what was brilliant that would go on the stovetop for a very 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 long yeah. time, <laughs> and and the meat had just be falling off, and all of that collagen, all of that flavour and texture, because flat rib by the very nature of it has quite a long grain. So, I, and I remember this grain; it was like spaghetti when I was little, because the grain of the meat just went mm. on forever. You know, and oh, we've got the marrow from the bone yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's so, and and it, and the bone, and you always knew when it was white, when it was when it was done, because the bone, all of the all of the the the, the flavour would have been brought out into the rib into the into the broth and it would be f- flecked white because it was starting to dry out now so you knew you'd got all the goodness out of it and then in the bottom oven mom would do um stotty cakes which is um, what are they stotty cakes are kind of depending on where you came from in the northeast there was there was stotty cakes and yeasty cakes okay <laughs> so yeasty cakes and stotty cakes are exactly the same things but basically what they were they, they were quite round of varying sizes yeah but they were incredibly yeasty and chewy and pulley, and um, made of. Oh, well, it like, was a, it was it was a dough. It was okay. a bread, and he used to dip that into a broth with loads of butter on it. Yum! And then it was just nice. the most. It was and and the smell in the house was the was the main thing. And and we've still we do. I, I sometimes do it for Dave when he comes. So we, we we've got a, the flat rib, rib broth recipes in our meat book. Yeah, that's right. It but, is. Um, it was funny. Right. Stella was an amazing cook. You know, sadly she passed away. But it's. Uh, it sounds like you both had the most delicious childhoods. I yeah. want to know the first dish you learned to cook. <laughs> Well, the first dish I learned to cook, I mean, I can remember, like, my mum would bake on Mondays. It was always, like, a Victoria sponge, some bread and um, some scones. But I never really learned to cook. The first dish I ever cooked was because my mum, she had multiple sclerosis. She was disabled. And it was a dish I learned to cook through a cookbook. It was once, my my father was, uh, he went to work. He was on, like, a two till ten shift. But it was when my mum's MS was was really starting. She basically, she'd gone to bed in the afternoon and couldn't get up. And I mean, my dad was home at 10 and I had to cook him something for his supper. And within the the, the, the cooker that we had, it was a radiation, was the brand of cooker, yeah. probably coming back from the 50s. And there was a radiation cookbook. And I looked through the book, I must have been like seven years old, eight years old, and I found a cheese and potato pie recipe. Ooh. Which was just <laughs> stodge. Get in. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> I followed the recipe and I cooked it, and I made it so that I knew that the family was in crisis, and I knew my father would have to deal with it when he come home, but at least there was this immensely Aww. heavy cheese and potato pie <laughs> in the oven. Later on, we were I told this story, and we found, uh, they found the cookbook. It was a production company, found the cookbook, and indeed, the cheese and potato pie recipe was there, just as I had imagined it. It's quite emotional, but I can remember yeah. clearly that. I remember the first seeing thing. that together. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I the radiation that. cook. It's the first thing I ever learned to cook. How old were you? I must have been about seven or eight years old wow. at the time. And it's with the old gas cooker, and um, it was basically a casserole dish that was lined with mashed potato, and then it was filled with more mashed potato. I mean, that sounds middle. like my kind of pie. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of, yeah, it seems yeah, like it was, it was okay. Mashed potato, butter, and cheese, and in various forms, and it was, it, it was an old, old fashioned, but it was, it was an attempt, and um, it's the first time I clearly remember 
you know, attempt at cookery. Yeah. Um, also, that's an amazing memory at such a young age that you connected food with comfort and, I don't know, try to do something like that for your father at with, such a with young both, age. With both, all I can say is we, we both always used food as a way of caring and loving. Yeah. Uh, either with each other, with our families. And, you know, going back to what you're saying about Stella, yeah. she, she was an amazing cook. And I, I, was, I remember talking about the Cookson's. After, well, halfway through that first series, the caterers were appalling. In the old days, the catering used to be really good on television sets, but the afternoon teas these caterers were doing were appalling. You start with afternoon tea, it was like ham sandwich, but cheap ham, white bread, processed cheese, cheese and ham, that was your choice. And the budget was a lot, and you were dealing with the budget. Mm, was, so you went yeah. to the production manager and said, look, this is everybody hates the teas, my mother could do better. So that's what we did. We got mum in. Oh, did she actually end up doing them? Yeah, yeah she did. Yeah. So we went, okay, mum, that's the budget. That's the budget for the next three weeks that we're in studio. The crew's in revolt. I'm going to get lynched. So, um, and I want to fire the caterers. And my mum went, oh, and she right. saw the chance to make a few quid. <laughs> but I can remember Stella coming through the studio. This is a modern television studio with a wheelbarrow full of homemade pastries, scones, cakes. It It was was epic. It was kind of Um, epic. It it was epic. Well, the caterers hated him forevermore. Yeah, they didn't didn't speak. It was a a revolution that was never to be repeated. But I still remember her teas and the pastries. Everybody was like, wow. And it was great, you know, because mum would go, you know, because she was... (laughs) She'd get a bit, like, embarrassed every now and then. She'd go... go, um, She'd say, "Oh, I, I do, I, I do hope you've had ample sufficiency." Oh. <laughs> and I go, "Ma'am, just ask them if they've had enough." What ample are you talking? She said, "Yes, I know, but you know, we're in this, we're, this is this is TV. Our Simon." And I'd go, "You know," so she'd go all posh on occasion. It was hilarious. So I read that for 15 years, whilst working in the film industry, you hadn't had a pay rise, and it was kind of that that brought about the decision <laughs> to make a change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you say in your own words that you you had lots of things that you could have done. I think you were thinking maybe you would start a lobster farm. Yeah, um, surf and turf, surf and turf. Yeah, yeah the original idea. Yeah, oh, but oh. that you were very good at um, riding motorcycles. You had a good knowledge of food, and in your own words, um, you say you're very good at talking rubbish. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but how did it all happen? So you had the idea that you wanted to work together. What's the next step to actually getting your own TV show and, and making it happen? Well, there is no next step, to okay. be honest. <laughs> uh, what, what, what kind of happened was that, that Dave and I wrote, wrote, um, wrote a treatment together. And we, it took us three years to get the hairy bikers off the ground. So it wasn't an instant overnight success like yeah. most things. Maybe it was the title because the, the title of the programme <laughs> that we dreamt up was Motorcycles, Food and the Search for Nirvana. Oh, oh right. Really? Which, Catchy. So, yeah. Not really. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. So, catchy. who came up with the hairy bikers? Well, we both did. Really, it was. It was a. It, uh, as everything. Um, it was I, a t- I see, no, it was, no, it was, no, it was a oh, time. Emails had just started. Yeah. So going back to two thousand, it was a subject heading, subject, wasn't it? Yeah. And so, oh, really? Yeah. No, everybody. Well, everybody and nobody lays claim to inventing the title. It wasn't us, mm-hmm. but somebody in the office, the production office. Subject matter, hairy bikers. And it's simple as that, and that's <laughs> like, stuck. Oh, okay. and that pretty much sums us up. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That'll, that'll do. Um, but so then after the three years, like, what, were you just constantly trying to pitch to production no, people? Well, or? Because, because, our, because our careers had been behind the camera for, for, for you know, day of 25, mine 15. And, and it was, it, we knew a lot of people, and we, were, we, we had great, good reputations in the industry. So 
so we decided to take our idea to to strategic people that we knew and also anybody that would listen to us and um and kind of try and work it out from there really and 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 we got our break what we were looking for because of our our relationship we you know it's quite humorous and we're quite new uh, um enthusiastic there was a match made in heaven in the sense that we had a a, a guy um called John Stroud, who was a fantastic, fantastic comedy director. And then we had a guy called Vikram Jayanti, who was a pretty heavyweight documentary director, which kind of fitted what Dave and I had wanted to kind of do, uh, which is, you know, because food was fun by our personalities and interaction, you were always going to get a laugh. But also food was about social history. It was about culture. It was about all of those things. It was about travel. It was about some difficulties. It was about a lot of that, you know, so it was a really happy balance. And we found Vikram and John and John and Vikram found us and we moved off from there. And then Rolly Keating, who was then commissioner at the BBC, gave us our break and off we went. Mm-hmm. For a moment, I thought you said Ronan Keating, but you didn't. It was Rolly. Ro- Ro- it, it was definitely, it was we, definitely we, we, we not were, we were His <laughs> first commission as controller of BBC That's so Two. Cool. And he gave us one one hour to see how we did. Oh, my goodness. Um, high stress. I, well, we didn't oh, not really. Think too much about it. <laughs> we, we just got on with it. We started, and just, now over 20 cookbooks later. I mean, that's just incredible. Mm. Mm. So, Sai, it's your turn now. The third desert island dish. What's the best dish you've ever eaten? Um, I think it it has to be a fruit of air. Ooh. Um, because the the fruits of the sea are I, 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 both Dave and I actually are, are, are huge supporters of of the fishing industry and 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 we're very proud of it and we're very proud of the seafoods that we bring from our waters and and further afield. So, I've eaten freedom airs around the world because it's it is without a shadow of a doubt my favourite thing to eat. Um, and there's been numerous occasions that uh, whether Dave and I have been in France or Italy or, or wherever that I've sat. <laughs> sat and eating this freedom here and Dave's covered, literally covered yeah. in, in, oh, in crab and... juice and shell and stuff. You go, for God's sake, King. And um <laughs> and and I think that the eating southwest is and having a freedom air is 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 just quintessential. You just get to know because where you normally have to buy it is at the docks and, you know, and you can eat it in posh restaurants if you want, but I, t- I tend not to do that. I'll either put it together myself or, or I have eaten it in restaurants, but not necessarily really posh ones. And the great thing about Freedom Air is when you go and you actually look at where it comes from, you get the characters and personalities. So it's all intrinsically linked for me. Um, I spend quite a lot of time because my partner is in, in Sydney. Oh, yes. And, and the Sydney fish market is just mind-blowing. And it's like nothing else. It's like nothing else on I've ever seen in the world. It is first of all, it's flipping enormous, and second of all, there are there are there are species of fish that I hadn't come across before. So there was these great things called spanner crabs, and when spanner crab is season is on, and it is the sweetest, most succulent crab meat I've ever eaten. So all of that is is, is it goes to that would be the best dish I've ever eaten. Around. Do you remember the Freedom Air? We're filming food tour of Britain. We're in the north. West oh, Scotland. God. Perfect example. And yeah. it was unbelievable. It was a French chef and he'd moved his restaurant. I can't remember where it was. It was near Campbelltown. It was near Campbelltown. And yeah. um, he'd opened a restaurant there because he could get the seafood. And he did a freedom air. And I just remember it. We we both tucked into it that night. And it was surmounted with sea urchins yeah. on the top. It was exquisite. And it was just unbelievable because the 
seafood from the cold waters up there, the langoustines, the oysters. But this, this, I always remember it's the first time I'd ever tasted sea urchin. Oh, really? And by goodness, it was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you're and so right, though, because we have amazing seafood and it, it feels a bit unsung, doesn't it? Well, it it does. Look, it's supply and demand, isn't it? You yeah. know, and, and, and the thing is that we, we it, it's a shame that we're not, we, we don't demand more. Definitely. Um, because 75% of everything that we catch in the UK goes abroad. So. Well, in the same programme, we went out fishing for langoustine with a, a great character, great fisherman. And he's got the boxes and they've got like little square holes for the grids of langoustine. And the langoustines he was catching were unbelievable, the triple A's. Well, they all went abroad. Oh, we managed really? to get some to cook our dish. So interesting. They all went abroad, but basically because people wouldn't pay for it here. And he was a Scotsman making a very good living. He was. With his langoustines, selling the most wonderful product. And that's the great thing about Freedom Air and, and, uh, is, is the characters and the, and the personalities and, and, and the sea that are attached to that just that just getting that those wonderful 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 projects Definitely. onto a onto a lot of ice it's <laughs> yeah so much more than just a dish isn't it dave it's your turn mm-hmm. the fourth desert island dish what is your favorite sandwich oh my favorite sandwich i love a reuben sandwich Ooh, properly. we did it a, a, a while ago on a program where we made our own salt beef and it, it wasn't that much difficult to do. It was we used brisket and we made the salt beef. And of course, you need that or corned beef, you know, for a Reuben sandwich. Yeah. So, but the homemade salt beef or pastrami, yeah, it's fantastic. It, it was it was good. You know, you 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 have that on rye bread with sauerkraut and cheese like Gruyere, oh. and it's. That's so heaven. good. Yeah. yeah. It, it, Are we regretting doing this before lunch? Oh. Whoever thought of putting a pickled cabbage in a sandwich with beef and cheese? But with so it, it has to be rye bread. Making your own salt beef, is that the kind of thing that it is worth the effort? Definitely. Or, yeah. yeah, it is. It, it, it is. is. It is. Because it, it, there's a sense of achievement, isn't there? <laughs> there it's is. Great. It lasts for a while because obviously cold, it's great. Hot, yeah. warm, it's great. I can reheat it. But uh, it was good. But a Reuben sandwich. But I have been known just to do it with beef cheese and sauerkraut that's i mean it. yeah it's a good combo it works, however you it look works. at it <laughs> if, if, you know i mean if you have to pick a sandwich at a service station the way up the m6 the, you, you can get one that's very passable yeah, yeah. no definitely yeah. in total agreement with that so back in 2012 you together lost an impressive six stone which is mm, amazing yeah. what was it that brought about such a drastic lifestyle change <laughs> <were> massively obese <laughs> really. we uh, people start yeah there, there was medical professionals that started to call us all morbidly obese okay. like, well, hey, hold on a minute hold on a minute <laughs> and then we just like yeah we just we and, just were getting really fat and and did that come as a shock or was it a case of just sort of slowly by slowly nothing really changed and then you were told that and it was sort of oh. no I think we were in we, we were starting I think for me because I'm, I'm 10 years older than Sai I started to feel my age a bit you know and um and being I, I'd hit 18 and a half stone I remember we were we were cooking a chocolate cake with janduya you know like the Nutella yeah in Tur- in a street in Turin it was about sort of 36 degrees we were very heavy very sweaty cooking this chocolate cake which is the most ridiculous calorie laden confection and that night at the hotel I'm knocking on size to ask if I'd run out my blood pressure tablets I used to think now this isn't really right it's not not right it's not clever and then we did uh, Meals on Wheels uh, the series which did very very well for for the BBC and did a lot of good and not many people in their 80s were, were heavy you know, they, they tend to be quite lean, leading fabulous lives. And then we, we they wanted to say, is there anything we could do for the Olympics coming up? And we said, is there anything within, like, the Olympian science that could help 
blokes like us to get fit and lean like Olympians. And they came back with us just, well, yes, go on a diet. Oh. <laughs> and um, we went to Newcastle University to be assessed. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I saw that. Oh, that was, that, yeah. that's one of those Sorry. things where... <laughs> you but, got put through the machine. Yeah, but we and... didn't know what was going to happen. We okay. turned up there, nobody had warned us. And it was one of those days where you look around and you think, what have we done? But actually, it's the best day of our lives. It's the best thing we yeah, could have done. Yeah, it was a big turnaround. It's yeah. a big turnaround. And, you know, it required a lot of thought and heavy heavy thinking really yeah it's on telly but the end of it is two blokes realizing that i was 42 percent fat you were 46 i think yeah and that's like you know ridiculous. I'd, I'd, if, if that was like belly pork, sandwich oh well yeah with belly pork i'd throw it back <laughs> it would, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and then you had your your first book which was how to love food and and lose weight yes. in, in that series obviously hugely successful and now this is the follow-up and it's sort of about keeping the weight off because that is now a number of years ago and you guys still look Great. Well, it's trying to the, the new book, um, the hairy bikers make it easy. It's the aim of that is to make it sustainable. That's what people yeah. in each of the, the the series. It's the sixth in the series. We try to address problems you have when eating healthily, also maybe losing weight, or when you've achieved the weight you want to be. You know, I think over the years we got quite good at it, really. And we're doing things like batch cooking on this. We're keeping the ingredients minimal, but we've never compromised on flavour satisfaction. Yeah, I think that that's the secret to it because we are cooks and we love food. Um, I say we, we, the chapter headings tell the story, really, that, yeah. that we, the things you want to fix. I think it is so clever because I think we're all in agreement that food is the best thing ever and it's yeah. so joyous. You don't want to take away from that. But with all of your recipes, it really doesn't feel like that. It's very well, clever. It, it, it's it's interesting you should say that because the the, the, the ethos of all of all of the series of, of diet books hasn't changed at all. Yeah. As Dave said, it was our passion and and and, and, and we loved it. Um the the most important thing for us was to was to, to uh, produce great tasting food, but without the calories. Yeah, and that took a lot of lot and lot and lot of research. Well, it's much harder than just throwing in loads of the butter and cream. Like you really have to think about it. You've, yeah, you do. And 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 the alchemy and balance of of putting those recipes together and putting the ingredients together. So so all we would say if you're using the books and and we've had some fab reviews. It's been lovely. It's mm. been lovely. Is um. Is and you can fiddle about with them if you want. You know, there's no there's no tried and tested way. But you, we can we can absolutely guarantee if you follow the method properly that you'll get a great tasting dish. And also, we, we worked very closely with dietitians to make very, sure yeah. that the calorie counts and everything were not misleading people. Yeah. And you know, it's it's lovely. We want to we want to write cookbooks that people are going to use, and not not just sit there on a coffee table. You know, we, we, you see, we were good pals with Delia Smith, and Delia was the same. You know, her books were there, you know, over the years were there to be used. And this one, I think it's a really useful book. Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, your past reviews, anything to go by. I think you guys are going to be okay. Um, Sai, I think it's your turn. The fifth desert island dish, the dish you eat the most often. Uh, curry, I would say. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Do you definitely. have a sort of go-to curry? Um, I do because I'm trying to watch the, I, I, I try to watch the calories in curry because it, it, it sometimes sneaks up on you. I'll always go with tandoori because um, tandoori is, is one of those dishes that you can, you know, if you strip the chicken, if you strip the chicken of its skin, 
God yeah. love it. And that's great because you might eat the, 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 the tandoori marinade that you put it in just gets really deeply into the meat and it's really quite quick. And, and I, I, Dave, both Dave and I have a, have a wood fired oven at home. Oh, wow. So it's, it's it, in great. the garden. Yeah. So it's absolutely brilliant to stick that, stick the tandoori in the wood fired oven because it's so intensely. You guys are hot. living the dream. And it's, mm. it, it's fab. And 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 I and and, fi- and fish and shellfish tandoori uh, tandoori fish tandoori uh, tandoori prawns are just and there's a great there's a great recipe for for crab but the, the spicing is a little bit is slightly different but it's really dry yeah um flame really good flame, yeah it's what, that's lovely. in the new book uh, no it's not in the new book but it's there's there's uh it's it's kind of Carolyn it's a it's an odd one because you get lots and lots of coconut and spice and you just it's just amazing. It's not, not our recipe, but you can find it online. Yeah, you'll definitely uh, oh, it's definitely not our recipe. But, but you were saying about, about a diet, a, a chicken, when you take its clothes off, as it were, the whole chicken's about 1,700 yeah. calories. Yeah. So basically, you can quite happily sit there and eat half a chicken. Yeah, yeah, you're, um, it's the skin, isn't it? Well, it's the flavour. But curry's always been pretty good for the diet too because you can, you know, the spicy, there's no calories in spice. Yeah. No, and that's the key thing. That's key when you're dieting and you're 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 trying to maintain that weight. Um, is is those spices? Uh, you know, spicing is incredibly important, as is seasoning. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right, Dave. I think it's your turn. The sixth desert island dish. What's your go-to dinner party dish? Well, lately, my, my dinner party dish of choice to serve people has been a porchetta, mm. and that's like the the, the Italian. It's an Italian roast. Basically, you've got the whole pork loin, but they leave the belly attached. So when it's opened up, it's, it's quite, quite long. It's quite flat, which gives you the opportunity to stuff it with herbs, you know, with, with thyme and garlic and, and some citrus. And so it's like a green seam in the middle. Then you roll it up and tie it. But the thing is, you're tying the belly around the loin. Sometimes the pork loin can be quite tough and dry. Yeah. Well, this is encased in the belly pork. And, of course, on the outside, you've got the crackling. Now, the last time I did this, I did that in a wood-fired oven too. So you've got the the herbs go through the, the, the pork loin and through the belly pork. It's the most wonderful, thoughtful dish. You could have sliced that off. So you've got the crackling, the fatty belly pork, the lean loin, and then you've got the herbs. It's a very carefully thought-out thing of porchetta. Yeah. The thing of beauty. So if you didn't have a fired oven, could you oh, eat normal oven. But, um, And would yeah. you cook yeah. it low and slow? or is it? Or... Oh, low and slow and finish yeah. off fast to get okay. the crackling up. yeah. Um, but it's fine. A lot of butchers these days will make a porchetta for you if you ask for it, um, or if you ask in advance. Say you're making a porchetta, they will give you the port loin with the belly attached, and it really is just a question of rolling it up yourself. It's really easy, but it's a real proper party piece. And serve that with, you know, just just roasted potatoes with rosemary and garlic, and maybe some just some spinach or um, you know purple sprouting broccoli and greens. It's Gorgeous, and there's always a particular. There's a, a top secret to a to um, a, a successful porchetta is the 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 loin goes on the bottom, yeah. so the belly pork is over the top because what happens is that the belly pork then releases its juices and fat to keep the uh, the loin moist as you roast it over a protracted period of time. Because if you don't, you do it the other way. What happens is the loin goes the loin goes dry. And uh, and you're left with something that's that that resembles a bit, you're, you okay. know, takes all the moisture out of your mouth. So <laughs> it's a really great, it's a it's a it's a it's a top tip. That. that is a top tip. Yeah, we 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 do a really nice like like fig chutney. 
So it's really that's quite, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's really quite nice when it's cold as well. That you know, in a really bit of ciabatta. Quince goes really well. Oh, with, yeah. with with it, with uh, with that as well with mm. pork. So it's round to mine for a porchetta then, Kingy. Defo, dude. <laughs> um, I hope I'm invited. You can yeah, yeah, of, <laughs> yeah. of course. We're, we're on to the seventh and final desert island dish. And it's the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. So perhaps you're going to go to the island together. So you might want to have the meal oh, together. What you, oh, oh, what? oh, well, well, obviously we're on a desert island, so I think seafood's off this one. Yeah, definitely Because we're going to be able to be self-catering. We both fish. Bacon. I, I, think, I think you could do the, the ultimate decadent dish, Kingy. Right, what? It's a Turnidos Rossini. <sighs> so you've got your crout. Yeah. You've got... A hunk of fillet steak. Yeah. You have a lobe of foie gras on top, Ethical, a masala obviously. sauce, and then a shaved truffle on the top. Oh, my god. It was goodness, a dish that Escoffier made for Rossini the composer. Yeah. And I think for many years, the Tony does Rossini's been the footballer's dish of choice. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah, we're going to yeah, have that, dude. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 we're going to no, have, like, a, a, a blowout before yeah. we're in the seafood how, thing. How very I'll fitting. Go, I'll go, I'll yes. Go and would you have a pudding? Oh, now you've been controversial. Um... Would we have a pudding? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm really hopeless. No, I'd have a cheese board. Okay, that's Actually, do you know, have, we did it on, on, it was a thing programmed, so we did a banana creme brulee. Oh, yeah, no, that was good. That was pretty evil. Because remember, I'm, yeah. I'm going to lose a bit of weight on this desert well, island. Well, yeah, you might as well go so all out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then the cheese board as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you've got yeah. A, oh, with crackers. Okay, yeah, of yes. course. You know, those yes. little charcoal crackers, I love those. Yeah, yeah and, nice. and the water biscuits. Yeah. Uh, what's the stars? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is that we don't do puddings normally. We do starters. Okay. Well, yeah. so well, yeah. What would you have to start? Again, we generally have seafood, but we can't. So, a, a big plate of Italian salumi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could do that. Yeah. Could do that. Yeah. What are you going to wash it down with? Oh, look. You'd, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, I think what you you talked about last night. Yeah. There's a there's a. <laughs> yeah. I've never had it because I can't afford it. <laughs> what, what is it? It's um it's called uh, magma and it's um and it's by a, a guy that owns a called Frank Holmes Nielsen, and he's um he's a Belgian guy that that produces the most amazing natural wines in Sicily, and he. It's it's just the, the most incredible bottle of wine I've ever eaten. And tell Margie yeah. how you came about to drink it. Well, I was out with my partner, Michelle, and we went, I took her out because I wasn't going to be there for her birthday. So we went out for dinner and I didn't have my glasses on, you oh. see. <laughs> and nor did Michelle have her glasses on. So I missed a decimal point out. Oh, my goodness. So I'm thinking, why is this all this big fuss about? I mean, it's a great bottle of wine, and I knew about the guy that produced it. So I was going, oh, man, this is, I'm going, Nish, that's a really good price for that wine. I mean, like, I can't believe it. <laughs> and then I got the bill, and it really wasn't. It, it wasn't well, a good price. It, well, it was, look, you, you know. And I said, and we vowed that never, ever, are we ever going to go out together again without having our glasses? <laughs> it was really well, She bad. could have been playing a trick, pretending No, 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 she really wouldn't, because she would have hit the flaming roof if I'd <laughs> You're allowed to take with you one luxury item. What are you going to take with you? I'm going to take a motorbike. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I can get around the island. Yeah. Something to tinker with, because I've always been a passion as well. Yeah, true. Not, nothing too heavy. We could give you a broken motorbike that you can fix. No, I want to get no. around the island. <laughs> oh, no, a... look at my faces. For fun, for it'll, fun. It'll, no, no, it'll be an on-off-roader, so I could go up and down around the island. There's no tarmac, dude. 
It's got to that's be what I mean, off-road. Well, yeah, on off, you know, but mm. the beach as well. Yeah. You know, something quite lightweight as well. Nothing too heavy that's yeah. going to get bogged down in the sand. Sai, what are you going to take? Sharp knives. Okay, yes. Yeah, there's no, absolutely, there's no, I, I, I have a I have a pathological hatred for blunt knives. Yeah, they're the worst. Because it, there's absolutely no point in having a blunt knife, as there's no point in having a blunt axe or anything with a blade that's blunt is useless. That's true. I can see so. that's something you really get uh, be in your bonnet about. I do. <laughs> I will give you a knife sharpener as well. I do. Yeah, can, I, can I have petrol then? We've got the motor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, very, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking for plan. I'm I like thinking, the yeah, one. No, no, yeah. no, this is good. This is good. And, and can, can we take string? Oh, guys, that's just getting greedy. You've got the motorbike, you've got knives, but yeah, you can take some string. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you so much for letting us hear your desert island. Thanks, Margie. Not at all. Thanks, Margie. How great are the hairy bikers? I definitely had a little fangirl moment trying to invite myself to supper. (laughs) Pretty sure I wanted to nominate myself to be the third hairy biker, but I don't quite have the beard for it. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to come and find me on Instagram at Made by Margie. I share lots of recipes, more desert island dishes inspired food. And you can head to www.desertislanddishes.co for loads more recipes and a whole list of the different guests that we've had so far. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>